men book for her and book for you and me. You'll find good book for everyone at your library. Hello everyone and welcome to Lauren's Library. I am your host, Lauren, and I am here to ramble about book stuff. So grab a seat, grab some coffee, grab a blanket, grab the steering wheel if you're driving because I will not be paying for accidents, and get comfortable because we have a lot to talk about. And if you're new here, a special hello to you. Thanks for popping in. So anyway, for this episode of Lauren's Library, we're going to talk about the rebirth of Susan Meachin, how to get out of a reading slump, and... I'm going to read a short story that I wrote called Bestie. So gather yourself together so we can get started, okay? Okay, so if you're on BookTok or social media at all, or just interested in the goings-on of the literary universe, you might have heard about a romance author named Susan Meachin. It's a wild story that spreads out over the course of two, almost three years. At first, I kind of wondered if I should even talk about it because it is a story that happened a while ago, and quite a few people have mentioned it and spoke about it already. But, I mean, I never promised to bring you current news on this podcast. I just said I was going to bring you news. So, (laughs) here we go. If you haven't heard about it, well then buckle up, buttercup, because boy do I have a story for you. Okay, so boom. Back in September of 2020, friends and fans of romance author Susan Meachin woke up to some devastating news, right? She had taken her own life as a result of bullying in an online writing group. People who loved Susan mourned her and kept her legacy alive through her published works. A few writers from the group even banded together to publish her last unfinished manuscript and dedicated the book in her memory. A group of them even got together to throw a fundraiser and donated the proceeds to Susan's funeral costs. And like many authors, Susan had a Facebook fan page that posted information about her newest releases, talked about her books, etc., After Susan's death, a woman claiming to be her daughter operated Susan's old Facebook page and started posting in the group. The group was called The Ward, and it was run by Susan's old assistant, Connie Ortiz. They would occasionally post suicide awareness information and run the odd sale in Susan's past work until Connie admitted that she would be unable to keep the page going due to, you know, life changes and whatnot. So then another member popped up named T.N. Steele, and she agreed to keep the group going in Susan's memory. Sounds real sweet, right? Well, just hang on to your butts for a second. So, a woman named Samantha Cole, and I know I'm throwing a lot of names at you here, so quick rundown of who we've talked about so far. Susan Meachin is the author that unlived herself. Her daughter is unnamed, but she took over Susan's page once she died. Susan had a fan page that was run by her assistant named Connie Ortiz, and now we're getting to Samantha Cole, who had reported being harassed by Susan's daughter and accused of being one of the reasons why Susan committed suicide in the first place. Even though, according to Cole, they had been friends for years and had absolutely no issues. She was actually quite upset about Susan's passing until... Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) 
Anyway, I'm sorry. I'll be serious. In January of 2023, someone posted from Susan's account saying she was actually alive and well this entire time and wanted to go back to writing and quote unquote, take her life back. It ended the post with a very cryptic and frankly insensitive, let the fun begin. Naturally, people were pissed because not only has she lied to everyone for almost three years, people have put up their time and money into finishing her series and donating to her funeral costs. Samantha Cole, the author and former friend accused of doing the majority of the bullying was furious and rightfully so. She reached out to Susan demanding an explanation. Susan reportedly told her that nothing was going on. She was just tired of pretending to be someone else and wanted her life back. Because yes, apparently, not only was she not dead, she was actually in the Facebook group posting under the pen name TN Steele. So she was the one that offered to run the group once Susan's old assistant, Connie, was no longer able to do it. Let that sink in for a second. And if that's not enough dip on your chip, Susan was actually over on TikTok posting the entire time this was happening. So while everyone was on Facebook and crying because I thought she was in her grave, she was actually on TikTok living her best life, you know, using transition sounds and filters and whatnot. Make it make sense. Now, if you're like me and you're wondering why no one went to the funeral and wondering who did the body, Connie had originally asked the daughter if she could attend Susan's memorial service and her daughter said no because Susan had been cremated. But then that leads me to wonder what funeral costs if she was cremated. But okay, anyway, honestly, truly, if I was Samantha Cole in this situation, and you accuse me of being responsible for someone's death and then they didn't even die, you would have to come see me. All that anguish and regret you caused for what? I mean, and as of right now, there is no plans for the money that was raised to be paid back. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know what she spent it on, but it ain't there no more and she ain't giving it back. Again, Susan would have to come see me, okay? Susan was basically playing in y'all face. And like I said, she, 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 she would have to answer for that. She would have to come see me like face to face. I wonder if someone plans to take this story and make a book out of it because it's a bestseller guarantee. Like it would probably be a good book to read if you're ever in a reading slump. Speaking of reading slumps, you like that segue I did there? That brings me to my next topic, how to get out of a reading slump. Let's get into it. Okay, so everyone who reads a lot has experienced a reading slump at some point. I guarantee it. Matter of fact, it's so common that people have actually asked me what I do to get out of one because I've mentioned in past episodes that I actually was in a 10 year reading slump and I just recently got out of that, you know, this past year. So I feel like I have some experience on reading slumps. <laughs> but anyway, they can happen for a number of reasons. Perhaps you've gone through some life changes that have kind of taken you away from your love of reading, or maybe all of the books you've attempted to read recently have been a six pack of dookie. I had that experience back in December. Every book I picked up was trash. And I was so sad because I'm like, dang, I want to read something, but everything I picked up is dumb. Like, what is going on? Thankfully, I got out of that, but it was a very bleak month for reading. Or, you know, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe the last book you read was so good, it ruined you temporarily for other books. Whatever the cause of your reading slump is, do not fret, my pet. 
because there are plenty of ways to get out of one, but I'll give you my four go-to methods. First method is to switch formats. If I'm reading a physical book and it's just not doing it for me, I'll switch to ebook or I'll do audio or vice versa. Sometimes switching up the way you read a book is all it takes to get back in the habit. Like for example, with that fourth wing book that everybody was talking about, I started with the audio and then I kid you not, like I'm listening to it in my Beats headphones like while I was at the gym and I heard the author go and I had to rewind it a few times to make sure I heard what I thought I heard and I did. And it low-key ruined it for me. So I had to like switch to the actual book and that salvaged the story. Cause had I not that whole, <laughs> that would have been the end of it for me. Let me tell you. So if you're reading a book and the way you're reading it is just not doing it for you, switch it up. It might actually make the story better. Like with Jasmine Guillory's book, The Wedding Party, the writing was horrible, but I switched to the audio and it actually made it a lot better. So I was able to get through it. So. Keep that in mind. If that doesn't work, switch genres completely. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a thriller girl through and through, but sometimes that can be a lot and I start feeling bogged down with the material that I'm reading. When that happens, I switch genres real quick, you know? I'll pick up a romance or a women's fiction or even a cozy mystery, anything to keep it fresh and to switch things up. That was actually how I found one of my favorite books called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I had just finished The Perfect Marriage by Geneva Rose and it had pissed me off so bad that I really didn't want to read anything anymore. Like I wanted to put books down and be done. But <laughs> I was on social media and I saw the cover of The Midnight Library and I thought it looked dope. So I was like, oh, let me give that a shot. Turns out it ended up being one of my favorite books and kind of changed my life a little bit. So boom, switch genres, okay? Now, if that doesn't work, then abandon the book. Jump ship, DNF. Life is stressful enough without having to slog through reading material that adds to the stress of, in the worst way possible. This world is full to the brim with literature and stories of all types. If you hate the one you're reading, then find another one. And when all else fails, seek professional help. <laughs> and no, I don't mean therapy, okay? Unless you think that'll help, then by all means, go for it. But... What I mean is ask a librarian or a bookseller of some sort and tell them stuff you like to read. And I guarantee you that they'll recommend a book that you've never thought about or a book that you've been thinking about reading but haven't picked up yet. And if all these methods fail, then clearly the reading is a thing of the past for you. I'm kidding. All hope is not lost. And these are not the only ways to lift the reading slump from your shoulders. Let me know if you want me to include more ways in the next few episodes, because I can absolutely do that, but that's up to you guys. Or, you know, if you have um, trouble picking up something that you like, you could always listen to a short story, like the one I'm getting ready to read to you right now. This one is called Bestie. And I've actually received a few requests to make this one full length, but I'll leave that for you guys to decide. Let's get into it. In my life, there has been only one person that I could truly count on. My best friend, my rock, my platonic soulmate. Her and I had been best friends since we were 10. That's 20 whole years, two full decades. Everyone else came and went, but she stayed through all of it. Through my parents' murder trial and the abuse of foster homes, through broken engagements and whirlwind romances, it was me and my bestie against the world. I trusted her with my life. I trusted her more than I trusted my own self sometimes. 
No matter what anyone would say to me about her, I wouldn't believe them. I couldn't. She's my best friend. I owe her my life. I need her. I looked around the bar. It was empty except the bartender and a few other lingering guests. The bartender kept glancing in our direction with a worried expression on his face. I ignored him. I couldn't tell for sure if he was looking at us since there were people seated behind us as well. I turned to my best friend, her face puffy and eyes low, right on the edge of tipsy, leaning into drunk. I laughed at her and sipped my own drink. See, I told you that you didn't need to drink so many. You know you can't hold your alcohol. She shrugged at me and took a swig of her drink. That doesn't mean I won't try, though. I could see the bartender watching us over her shoulder. Maybe he was watching us and wanted to come talk to her. She was always the prettier one of the two of us. I tapped her shoulder and nodded my head towards him. He seems interested in you. She barely turned to look. That doesn't matter. I'm here with you. It's been so long since we've been able to hang out in person. I mean, like, how long has it been? A few years, right? It had been a while since we had gotten the chance to hang out together. Life gets so busy sometimes, and whether we meant for it to happen or not, we drifted apart for a bit. But that's the thing about best friends. No matter how much time you spend apart, you can always come back together like nothing happened. And that was true for us. No matter how much time passed between the times we got together, we could always reconnect like no time had passed at all. I smiled at her and shrugged. It's been maybe three years, I think. I'm so sorry that so much time has passed. I've been so busy with work and with Jackson. You know how that goes. She rolled her eyes at me. Jackson is my husband. The two of them have never gotten along. I'll admit that it bothers me a little bit more than I let on, but I try to remain positive. How, how was he doing? She asked me. I could tell it was difficult for her to pretend like she cared, but I appreciated the effort. A weird feeling washed over me, but I ignored it. He's okay. I saw a flash of red out of the corner of my eye, but when I turned to look, there was nothing there. The bartender was still watching us closely, and I couldn't read the expression on his face, but it was making me uncomfortable. Bessie didn't seem to notice him. She was too preoccupied with her drink. The bartender and I make eye contact, and he took that as a sign to approach the two of us. I braced myself, waiting for him to completely ignore me and focus his attention on the beauty beside me, like always. But instead, to my surprise, he stayed focused on me. Is everything okay over here? Can I get you anything else? Uh, no thanks. We're fine. I answered for the both of us, since it didn't look like she was going to acknowledge the fact that he spoke. Sometimes, she had the habit of being rude to other people. I really wish she wouldn't do that. It made a lot of encounters more awkward than they should be. His gaze flicked in her direction, but then landed back on me. Are you sure? My name is Derek, by the way. I own the place. I smiled at him and offered my hand. As soon as our hands touched, a chill raced down my spine. Another flash of red. I blinked it away and smiled again, hoping he didn't notice. It's nice to meet you, Derek. I'm Kaya, and this is my best friend, Lila. I looked over at her, and she kept her head down, staring into her drink and refusing to meet his gaze. She had trouble talking to people. One of the things that made her friendship what it was, she wouldn't speak to anyone else. Almost like she was afraid. He glanced in her direction again, eyebrows raised. Uh, sure, okay. Well, yeah, um, if you need anything, I'll be right over here. He pointed to where the other bartender stood, watching our interaction. The people in this place seemed a bit too concerned with what we were doing. There were other customers. Why were we being watched? Another flash of red. I shook my head again. Maybe it was alcohol making me see things? I mean, it was a new drink this time. I stood up, ready to walk home. Thankfully, the bar was right down the street from the townhome I shared with my husband. 
Lila followed absentmindedly behind me. As I walked towards my home, the flashes of red became more intense. I caught a glimpse of a mirror. Red streaks covered it, making it impossible to look in. The walls around the mirror covered in splashes of red. I shook my head again. What was happening? Am I hallucinating? Lila, do you feel weird or is it just me? I turned to look at my best friend, but she was gone. She must have forgotten her purse at the bar. She'd catch up later. I kept walking in the direction of my apartment, determined to get home and sleep off this alcohol. This will be the last time I drank for a while. I reached the front steps ten minutes later and grabbed the doorknob. As soon as I opened the door, a powerful smell overtook me. It caused my stomach to lurch and empty its contents right there on the floor in front of the door. I wiped my mouth with the back of my hand and stumbled to the bedroom. There, in the bedroom, lay my husband on the floor in a crumpled heap. Blood was everywhere. On the dresser, in the mirror, on the walls near the mirror, on the bed, on the floor surrounding his body. It was everywhere. I stood there in my drunken haze trying to piece together what I was looking at. Do you remember? Lila's voice next to my ear made me jump a little. I hadn't heard her come in. I must have left the door open by accident. Jackson used to get so mad at me for coming home and leaving the front door wide open whenever I was drunk. It was a really bad habit. I opened my mouth to respond, sorting through my fuzzy memories and desperately trying to figure out what I was supposed to remember. There had been a fight between Lila and Jackson before we left for the bar. There was a lot of yelling. My stomach flipped again. I turned to my best friend, with tears welling up in my eyes. Lila, what did you do? It had been a slow night at the bar when I saw her come in. She was beautiful, but that was not the thing that made me stare at her. She had red splatters on her shirt and in her hair, and she seemed to be talking to herself. Not in an absent-minded, oh, did I forget to take out the trash, kind of talking to yourself, but a full-fledged conversation with no one. It was fascinating, but also a little concerning. I nudged Landon, my co-bartender, for the night and nodded in her direction. Does something seem off about her to you? I asked. He looked in the direction I was talking about. Mm, she seems like she's talking to herself. Probably one of those homeless people that found their way inside. I wouldn't worry about it. Just give her a drink. He went back to what he was doing. She requested two different drinks and it made me a bit uncomfortable, but I gave them to her anyway. And at this point, I really had no reason not to serve her. I watched as she drank both drinks, her posture shifting depending on which drink she was holding. One minute she was slightly hunched over with her hair over her face, and the next minute she was sitting up straight with her hair over her shoulders. She continued to talk to herself, laughing and leaning forward as if she was whispering. Some of the other patrons looked at her, mostly with nervous glances. Others seemed disgusted. After a few minutes, she looked over at me, and we locked eyes for a second, and I took that as my chance to speak to her. Is everything okay over here? Can I get you anything else? She glanced to her left at the empty chair and paused for a moment, almost as if she was listening for a response. No thanks, we're fine. We? I hesitated, wondering if I should question who she was talking about or not. The poor girl seemed like she was hanging on to reality by her fingertips. I tried again. Are you sure? My name is Derek. I own the place. She smiled a beautiful smile at me and offered her hand. As soon as I touched it, her eyes glazed over for a split second before she blinked and focused on me. It's nice to meet you, Derek. I'm Kaya. This is my best friend, Lila. She nodded towards the empty chair. I froze for a second, unsure of what to do. Should I call the police? Is she dangerous? I really couldn't tell. All I knew was that I needed to escape this moment immediately. 
Uh, sure. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. If you need anything, I'll be right over there. I pointed to Landon, who was watching from where he stood. I could see the amusement on his face. He knew that I had gotten myself in over my head. I should have just left the situation alone. I walked back over to him, my eyes wide. Okay, yeah, she definitely thinks someone else is with her. I don't know, man. I feel like I should call the police or something. She seems like she needs help. He nodded in the direction of the door. As if on cue, two officers just walked in. Looks like you're in luck. The officers approached us just as Kaya got up out of her seat and slipped out behind him. They didn't notice. Good evening, you two. We're looking for someone by the name of Lila Brendan. She called and reported a murder here at this bar. You mind if we look around? My eyes widened. Lila was the name of the imaginary friend Kaya had introduced me to. Could that be a coincidence? Well, a girl just left here. Her name is Kaya. She was talking to herself, but I don't think she realized it. She said her, her friend's name was Lila. I pointed in the direction I saw her walking. She literally just walked out. She went that way. One of the officers spoke into his handheld as he turned back towards the door to follow after her. Whatever was happening with that girl, clearly it wasn't good. Two years later. I had always wondered what happened to that girl after that night. The whole situation was bizarre. Apparently, the cops had followed in the direction I told them she went and saw a townhome with the front door wide open. There was blood and vomit by the door. When they went inside, I saw her standing over her own husband's body crying, Lila, what did you do? But there was no one else in the room with them. I found myself obsessing over the details of the case. Every time I came across an article or an interview, I had to stop everything and watch it or read it. It was a highly talked about case since it turns out that it was connected to another famous one that happened in this town years earlier. I was scrolling on Facebook before my next shift at the bar started and I came across an online posting of a newspaper article that caught my attention. Local woman arrested for killing her husband. She claims it was her long dead best friend. I clicked on it, a sense of dread settling into my stomach. I still find it so hard to believe that I was face to face with a whole murderer that night. She didn't seem dangerous. She seemed broken somehow. I felt sorry for her, watching her giggle by herself convinced she was talking to her best friend. A text message popped up on my screen, but I closed it out to read the article. At the bottom of the article was a picture of Kaya and a link to the latest interview she had done. Local woman Kaya Thompson was arrested and taken into custody for the murder of her husband Jackson Thompson last Thursday around 10 p.m. Kaya maintains her innocence, claiming it was her best friend Lila who committed the murder after a violent fight broke out between the two of them earlier that night. Upon further investigation, it was concluded that Lila Brendan was murdered 20 years prior by Kaya's parents, Degra and Boris. Kaya, who was 10 years old at the time, witnessed Lila's horrific murder. It is said that in order to cope with the trauma of what she had witnessed and the abuse she later faced in her foster homes, Kaya kept Lila alive in her own mind. Kaya experienced a psychotic break when she snapped and killed her husband over his accusations of Lila being a figment of her imagination during a fight they had that Thursday night. Kaya was unable to process the reality of what she had done and the two personalities split, but not before Kaya called the police and reported the murder. Essentially, by calling the police on Lila, she was calling the police on herself. Kaya was found standing over her husband's body, covered in his blood and sobbing. Ms. Thompson was medically evaluated and deemed fit to stand trial. She faces life in prison for the murder of her husband. After much therapy and medication, Kaya still maintains her innocence. She claims that Lila committed the murder in order to protect her from Jackson. In the interviews we have seen, Kaya almost seems grateful that he was killed. 
Even to this day, Kaya still lovingly refers to Lila as Bestie. What'd you think of the story? Let me know. Head on over to my blog at www.thebookiebabe.com and poke around a bit, read some stuff, rate some stuff. Make sure you rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're using. You can follow, like, or leave a message at Lauren's Library Podcast on Instagram. It's all one word. And you can also find me posting detailed reviews on the bookie babe underscore in Instagram and on TikTok. But bear with me, your girl's still new on TikTok. All the transitions still give me whiplash. But anyway, I said all that to say, if you want to say hello, there are multiple ways to contact me. So take your pick. But one way or another, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.